It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. And a small but enthusiastic crowd here at the Pike Nursery in Cumming, Georgia this morning. We'll be broadcasting live this morning from the Pike Nursery, Cumming, Georgia, Bethel View Road. And it is filled with plants. We've got camellias here beside us. we got the herbs and the daylilies and the gara and the various things all around. Loropedalums and hibiscus and clerodendron and oh man, oh man, oh man. We got plants wall to wall. If you want to come visit us today at the Pike Nursery in Cumming, Georgia, you are welcome to come in a few minutes. It'll be about half an hour probably from now. The Chick fil A folks over here at the collection Forsyth will be uh, arriving. The biscuits will be arriving. Have a little coffee perhaps. We've got some D we will. So uh, stay tuned for 30 minutes. We'll have an announcement when the Chick fil A biscuits have arrived. Of course, my friend Mickey Gazaway here this morning at Pike Nursery as well. And the noise, this little droning you hear behind me, is why Pike Nursery is famous for good plants. This is the North Georgia turf guy in the big tractor trailer who's unloading turf. It is green. It was just cut yesterday. If you need Bermuda side, I think he's unloading Bermuda side right now. Is that right? So if you need some Bermuda side, we got five pallets of it at the Pike Nursery at Cumming. And my friend Herb Metz, the uh, master gardener here in Forsyth County, is wearing a hat, an orange hat featuring an Alice Chalmers Model G oh. tractor, which is the tractor I grew up with because my mother bought that tractor when she got out of the uh, out of the Army, out of the Women's Army Corps, and moved to Fayette County to have a farm and raise chickens and be able to till it with her little tractor, and that's what she bought. I have the original, Mickey Gatsby, I have the original receipt from my mother buying an Alice Chalmers tractor. I've got an original receipt for my dad buying his first new car. Wow! <laughs> I think and it was 500 and something dollars. The tractor was not any <laughs> more than that. It was it was a little bit back then, but I'm sure for her it was a fortune. But nonetheless, that's how I grew up, was uh, driving that little orange tractor around, uh, around South Fayette County. Wow. So, Mickey, this week, what have I been doing in the garden? I have been planting... What have you planted? Let's see. We had tomatoes. Came over to the Pike at Toco Hill on um, Tuesday, I think it was, and bought a nice four-pack of tomatoes and planted those. And my technique, you probably knew from last year, is I put shingles around it. We talked about shingles last uh, Saturday. And so I put shingles around my tomatoes to make sure that they get warmed up real quickly and keep them mulched initially. Zinnia seed. I bought a pack of zinnia seed and planted those around in my um, daffodils because the daffodil foliage is green now, but you know it's going to turn right, yellow in, right. about, in about a month. And so I want something to be there when the daffodil foliage goes down and the zinnias, I'm hopeful, will come up and bloom. They'll look nice there too. Uh, let's see, I had that babtesia that's already been in. I watered it. Yeah, mine came up. Yeah. Mine's coming up. Yeah, yeah. So what have you done? Well, I planted all day yesterday, too. I planted some uh, perennials. I planted some uh, uh, Maynite salvia. I planted Good. some uh, Rudbeckia. Uh, I also planted one of my favorite 
annuals, uh, which is called indigo spires. Oh, that is a uh, It is a yeah, beautiful, yeah, yeah. beautiful salvia. I wish it was perennial, but it's not here. But it's just so pretty. It's such a bright color. I love it. I love it. So it, the, as soon as we get it, I always buy it. So I put some of that out. And uh, I even kind of cheated and put out some vinca <laughs> yesterday. We'll see. Well, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be good. I haven't done my uh, tomatoes yet. My tomatoes are, yeah, they're not we'll quite see. done yet. Not quite ready. Yeah. I want to point out something you said, Mickey, was that you said you had the perennial salvia. May night is, uh-huh. generally speaking, perennial. Right. And then you had the indigo spires, which is the annual salvia. Well, it's perennial if you lived in Florida. If you live in Florida. All yeah. right. So not yeah. in Atlanta. But it's important to remember that some plants have both sort of an annual and a perennial form. And there are a right. couple of salvias. I have a, one called black and blue that's oh, yeah. about three feet tall. It's completely perennial. But do you know Atlanta. it's listed as an annual on, our, on, the, on the things in here? We have it with our annuals. And I don't know why in the world it says no. annual, but it, it's black and bloom, but it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it all looks, right. It's the, the, the flower color, it, black it, and well, blue. It yeah, comes out. but it's Pretty exactly plant. the same. Very, very pollinator friendly. All the butterflies and, the and bees. Blue, and, and the hummingbirds. Yeah. That's their hummingbirds very, very favorite. Great plants. The black and blue salvia, salvias in general. We have. Homestead purple verbena, speaking of plants that are mm-hmm. friendly to pollinators. I played some it, of that. You call it vervain, which I'm not sure what vervain I is. It, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Homestead purple vervain, vervain. but we know it as homestead purple or homestead purple uh, verbena. verbena. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to go to the phones. we got friends online already this morning. Oh. First, our friend down in Griffin, mm-hmm. Georgia. Our friend, our button right there. There she is. Hey, Nicole. Good morning. Mr. Hey, Nicole. Hi, Mickey. How are you doing? <laughs> It's yeah. so much fun in springtime, isn't it, to try something else and to see if we're going, we're going to be successful. And all yes. our hard work from November, December pay off, isn't it? We hope. <laughs> Some of those uh, bulbs, the daffodils, of course, bloomed that I planted last year. But, what you know, Nicole, what really fascinates me in spring is remembering what comes <laughs> when, what comes after, what comes before. And I try to remember about the Yoshino cherry coming before the Kwanzaa cherry, but my Yoshino cherries are blooming that yeah. big white pink cloud all over everywhere this morning. Mm, and it's this week too, yeah. Um, so what, what are you doing, Nicole, in your garden? Oh, I do a lot of stuff, Mr. Every day I'm there, and if I don't go one day, I'm missing something. It's time for for me, elephant heels and all this underground bulb. But anyway, I bought some uh, cucumber this week. I thought yeah. they were so funny, I couldn't pass. Because they look like a big, fat... Um, uh, Walnut, uh, not walnut, <laughs> big fat donut. It's because oh, wow. they're round and they're not halfway, but they're hard to uh, to uh, cut, you know, to peel. But uh, they must come from uh, not Canada for sure. They come from not Florida. <laughs> <laughs> they're still yeah, I've, snow. <laughs> I've seen those round cucumbers, and they're interesting to see. I will be curious how they do for you when you talk to us in June let us know what goes on with those cucumbers well about some already uh, done and everything not the seed but oh, inside, oh, oh. yeah inside there's so many seeds and I was thinking myself the more seed we have in the fruit the healthier it is yeah sure 
Of course, it's got good pollination because the more seed, that means more pollen was transferred, and so, yeah, healthy plant. Okay, about some pepper today, and um, there's a lot of seed inside, and I was thinking, I'm going to try to plant those seeds right away outside. Is it going to be successful? Boy, it's hard to know with peppers because they have to be, Mickey, they have to be sort of mature in order for the seeds yeah, to be. Yeah, you almost have to let them rot. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. So and just, or on, they need to be on the, actually on the plant. Probably. Yeah, so if you have a pepper you bought from the grocery store, Nicole, my guess is probably not. The cucumber, possibly so, if depending, again, on how mature it was when you when you bought it from the store. And do you think it would be the same? I don't think it would be the same as what she got, even if she got yeah, it. I don't know. The round cucumbers, sometimes they're, they're, I think they come back true. I don't know. I think they do. I don't know. I don't Nicole's going to plan on find out. Let, <clears throat> us find out. Let us know. Uh, stratification, that's what I mean, isn't it? The seed needs to be some time to... Uh... Some do. Fruit trees do. Mm-hmm. Apples, certainly. Pears, certainly. But uh, stratification is not always necessary for annual plants like cucumbers and peppers and uh, corn and, you know, squash and things like that. Stratification is a process where a seed must undergo a period of about at least eight weeks of cold, damp conditions. Again, it's called stratification. And that happens naturally out in the, out in the woods if you have an oak oak acorn that falls to the ground, it naturally is going to be stratified because it's cold and damp for three months or so in the woods. Whereas if you collect seeds from an apple from the grocery store, you have to go home and put it in a little bit of peat moss and a Ziploc bag and put it in the crisper drawer of your refrigerator so it stratifies indoors. Or I guess you could put it outside someplace safe and let it stratify naturally outside. So how um, many shape of cucumber do you know, Mr. Reeve? Uh, let's see, there's the long, thin um, um, uh, Asian cucumber that looks like a snake. I've seen a cucumber one time that looked like a curly cue, like a curly fry from Arby's. I saw the little <laughs> pickling cucumbers that are about three inches long. I've seen the normal, regular, what do you call it, Mickey? It's a regular cucumber. It's a regular yeah. cucumber. Yeah, but if I, if I leave one one day and I come back the next, it looks like a watermelon. Yeah, it's rant. They grow so <laughs> yeah, fast. You have huge. to be careful to then pick, they're not your, any good. pick your cucumber, <laughs> sure. Then you get the lemon shape, isn't it? And then the, yeah, yeah, the lemon, the lemon shape, lemon the round ones. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. It's interesting. All that came from breeding. Uh, you know, gardeners saying, "Well, I sort of like the long one. I like the short one. I like the pickling kind." For the purposes of making pickles, the short ones are better. For the purposes of making sandwiches, sometimes the longer ones are better. Good, 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 UGA. Yeah, good, 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 UGA, <laughs> and frankly, gardeners, master gardeners, and other people all over the country, all over the world, because that's what plants are. Plants that we have selected from the wild, from the jungle, from the fields, from the forest, and decided, you know, this has potential for food. We could eat this plant if it got a little bit bigger, like a corn plant or something like that that came from the wild, or tomato or potato. All of them came from the wild originally, and some human somewhere said, I see some potential in that plant to eat it someday. So the uh, peach, did they have enough uh, cooling hours? Oh, more I don't know, Nicole. That's the real question right now is whether the peaches in South Georgia got enough cold weather. That's not stratification exactly, but the buds require a certain number of hours to be uh, to bloom and put out fruit and then to make good quality fruit after that. And they were really, really worried that the wintertime this year has been so warm that they might not have had quite enough chilling hours to have a great crop. We don't know. 
Enjoy your day, both of you. I know you're going to have a good day. Nicole, it is 18, and we will see you. See you next Saturday, Nicole. Enjoy see you then. Day. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Highs today in the mid-70s. It sounds great this afternoon. Low overnight around 50, 54. Tomorrow, same thing. No rain in the forecast, at least this weekend. But rain forecast for Monday, the perfect day to have yes. rain if we're thinking about gardening because you can come to Pike and get all your plants today. We're broadcasting, of course, for the Pike Nursery and coming. And you get all your plants planted in the ground, get them fertilized, and then Monday morning come up the rain and it'll take care of you. But thinking of Monday morning, we are really, really, really going to be interested in what the traffic is going to <laughs> yes, be Monday morning. And a reminder that the traffic team at WSB has somebody in the traffic room there at the station 24-7 all weekend long in case something goes weird and crazy with the uh, bridge collapse on I-85 this past uh, week. And so Monday morning when spring break comes, that will be interesting. As far as I know, did the ball game turn out all right last night? Yeah, the traffic I think it the ball did. Game did okay. Looked like there were a lot of that. people there. I'm going to be consulting with Ashley Frasca to find out how to get to work on Saturday mornings from now on because I go right over the portion that is now closed and broke down and busted on I-85 going to work on Saturdays. And so now I need to find a new way to get from my house at uh, Claremont Road down to Peachtree and uh, maybe some squirrely rays back through Beverly, maybe down Piedmont, down Cheshire Bridge, down the Beaufort Highway Connection, the part that's open now. So we shall see. Our phone number, by the way, on Lonnie Garden, 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. If you have any garden questions that you would like. And by the way, a little shout-out now to the J.C. Booth Middle School Gardeners. Mickey, yesterday I got my second chance to talk to these high school, middle school, I guess, gardeners. And they did such a great job presenting their miniature gardens at J.C. Booth in oh, Peachtree wow. City. Uh, there are kids who each group of about four kids has designed a garden, various kinds of container gardens, tower gardens, platform gardens, gardens that are like podiums, gardens that use uh, splash tables that they have uh, salvaged from their uh, little brother's uh, playground. And they are gardening food. You know, they have radishes and basil and uh, peas and tomatoes and cucumbers, I think, where all of them given the choice. And so they planted these uh, planters, and we did a Google Hangout where I could see them in the classroom, and they could see me in my office at home, and we could ask each other questions live. It was wow, great. how fun. Yeah, and they were remarkably astute in some of the questions they were asking about the pH of the soil and how to uh, culture the, or how to thin the radishes and how to mm. uh, make a trellis for the cucumbers and uh it was really, really interesting to like talk it. to young people because they now, I told them at the end of the class, I said, now you know some of you more than your parents know <laughs> about gardening. You need to go home and uh, teach your parents about the three numbers on a fertilizer bag and the importance of the right pH in the soil and um, how, to, how to thin radishes and cucumbers and peas and things like that so you don't have too many crowding around each other in the planter. So 
It was a lot of fun to be with that Google Hangout with the J.C. Booth Middle School kids. It's amazing how much you learn from kids if you just listen to them. Yeah. I had a group of Montessori kids come into school one day, and uh, they asked me to see our sporophytes. Your sporophytes? And these these were four-year-olds. Wow. That's what they were studying in school were sporophytes. That would be your ferns? Yeah. Ferns? Yeah. I'm just making sure that was a sporophyte. All right. A sporophyte. They reproduced by spores. How about that? Well, again, broadcasting live this morning at the Pike Nursery and coming, 404-872-0750. Come by and see us. The Chick-fil-A Biscuits will be here in about 15 minutes. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. Now, here's Walter. We're broadcasting live this morning from the Pike Nursery in Cumming, Georgia. Mickey Gasly, of course, from Pike Nursery, is here with me. And we have a growing and enthusiastic audience here. And one of the things that you should uh, think about before you come over today is we have giveaways. We always have giveaways. Um, but in particular today, we'll have a one-night stay at Chateau Elan, and that will be fun to do. We'll do that at the end of the show. You do not have to be present to win that. But then you do have to be present to win the Tomato Time giveaway. And this is Tomato Time weekend for Pike Nursery, so they've got a whole sorts, all sorts of things they're giving away and are um, uh, having classes on as well to Summarize, basically, you get a free one-gallon tomato plant with any $25 purchase when you come to any Pike Nursery. The uh, stores, every store has a tomato growing class this morning at 8.30 and another one this afternoon at 5 p.m. about tomatoes, 8.30 and 5. And then the tomato time giveaway this morning that we'll be promoting throughout the morning, but you have to come to this broadcast at Coming in Pike, at Pike and Coming, and put your name in the box, and we'll do a drawing later on in the show and uh, you'll have to be here to win that if you have to take your tomato home. All right, Chateau Elan, and uh, the tomato giveaway will be things that you can register for here at the Pike Nursery Incoming. We'll go to the phones with our friend Stuart up in Jackson County, or in Jackson this morning, because, Stuart, you and I talked last Saturday about your tree. Tell me, bring me up to speed on your tree, Stuart. You know, I was telling you, Walt, that uh, uh, the limbs fall off. It looks like a cut one, but I was thinking the way the trees go with the circles to tell the age of the tree. Right. Maybe that's got something to do with it, but this time of year, this you know, the little branches starts to falling off. And it looks now, like Stuart, we were trying to decide whether this was a hickory or an ash tree, no, and I swore it was a hickory. You said it's an ash, and I'm now it's convinced it probably was it. an ash. And is after after I finished with the show last Saturday, Stuart, uh, several smarter people than me, mainly the foresters and arborists listening to the show, said, "You remember that we have an emerald ash borer insect that kills ash trees in Georgia." Now, Stuart, it does not cause limbs to fall off the tree. It bores underneath the bark of a tree on the main trunk of the tree and chews around underneath the bark, and the bark falls off and the, and the tree dies. So emerald ash borer 
could be a problem on ash trees, but that's not what caused your branches to fall. Okay, well, what's causing them to fall? We hadn't figured that out yet. <laughs> this may be an every Saturday morning question for the next well, couple of months until we figure it out. Are they big branches? Yeah, well, uh, sometimes they get about a quarter of an inch, you know. Could it be some kind of gurgler? A gurgler? Yeah, some I will kind have to go. All right, all the arborists out there listening again to see if Mr. Reeves makes a mistake. If you can think of a reason why ash trees, ash limbs, little bitty twig limbs, a quarter inch in diameter, would be falling out of an ash tree. This, again, is not emerald ash borer. Yeah. What could it be? Stuart wants to know. Walter wants to know. Mickey wants to know. Could it be a girdler or something? Kind a of girdler, girdler, but I don't know if ash trees have girdlers. Do they? I don't know. This is why we need a certified arborist to figure it out and either call in or let us know whether or not. Stuart, stay listening. If we have an answer for you, we'll figure it out for you. Thank you, and happy, happy April Fool's Day, Walt. I hope this is not an April Fool's call. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. Appreciate the call. Oh, me. What did I see yesterday? Mickey, I saw... I'm not sure this is appropriate to talk about it on the radio, but I'll go ahead and talk about it anyway because most everybody is finished with breakfast or has eaten breakfast so far. But I saw a press release yesterday for a new product that includes wildflower seeds that have been put into disposable diapers. <laughs> and, and the theme for it was one, poo, three, wildflowers all <laughs> over your yard. <laughs> I will. And I thought for a minute, Mickey, that this product might be real. And then I thought, wait a minute. I wasn't born yesterday. It's almost April Fool's Day. So the the wildflower seed in the disposable diaper, I fear, is a hoax. Francis in Peachtree Corners joins us on Lawn and Garden. Good morning, Francis. Hey, Walter. Hey, listen, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a hydrangea out in my little courtyard that got bit by the freeze a few weeks ago, and I haven't done anything to it. I've just been waiting to see if it stays green. It's got some little tiny green leaves on it, but for the most part, it looks real dead. Yeah. And I don't know if I should try to save it, prune it back. How much do I prune it back? I've mulched it, and I've watered it, but that's about all I've done to it. It's about three and a half by three feet. I think I made my decision yesterday afternoon. Right at 5.30 was when I was wandering around my yard. And, Mickey, on my hydrangeas, they've got lots of new leaves at the tip top of the branches. But when I open them up with my finger, there's nothing growing inside. And the leaves are big enough that I should be able to see the little flower green thingies growing inside there. And I don't see anything, which to me says those hydrangeas are going to have great leaves. And, Francis, they'll have great leaves. But not many blooms this year. And so I decided yesterday at 5.30 p.m. I was going to whack mine down this weekend yeah. down to about, what do you think, Mickey? How tall would you cut a hydrangea back? It depends on which one it was. Well, you these know, are no mop more than, Yeah, All probably mop three feet, maybe something like that. No. Nah, I'm going to cut lower than, lower than that. that. You're going to lower than that. down to I don't, I don't 12 to 16. You don't cut yours ever? I cut them down in June to wherever I want them to be. Well, yeah, but I'm but thinking that's mine. Time. But mine, I'm going to mm. wait. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait and see what. No, All right, so Francis, so you we'll have see which two one lines does. of thought here. One is the just going to wait, mm -hmm. and one is the going to cut them down and make them rejuvenate from the base and get everything nice and health, healthy at the bottom. Francis, well, your choice. 
Mine is mine is kind of a, a showpiece because it's in a small courtyard, but it's a small bush, but it's a small space. So yeah. if I cut it back, um, you know, it's kind of going to leave a big gap right there because it's it's like I said, it's kind of the center of attention there. But um, but it's going to be the center of attention with those ugly, um, you know, it's yeah. a mop head, but it, with the ugly, you know, with the brown. Uh, stems and 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 dried portions on it right now would you would you consider painting those brown stems with green paint <laughs> they will be green or blue uh you could make them attractive that way couldn't you now i suppose i could you know chalk painting's pretty big out here <laughs> well you know up there in peachtree corners the just the sky's the limit on garden landscaping so do what you care to do francis if you think it's going to look good then leave it alone. If you want to cut it back like me, then join me this afternoon. Or you can see my blooms next spring. How far would I cut it back? Again, for me, I'm going down to 12 inches. Use your judgment, 12 to 14 to 16, somewhere in that range is what I'm going to do. All right, about 14 inches. Well, now, I've got one more question. Can you help me with it? It's a camellia bush over at my daddy's house in Lilburn. Uh-huh. And that he has planted about three years ago. And, the, and it's just as scrawny as it was when we put it in the ground. <laughs> And, uh, I have gotten remarkable success using one of the slow-release fertilizers mm-hmm. like the E.B. Stone Azalea Camellia Fertilizer or the uh, Hollytone, the Spoma Hollytone, Milorganite. All three of those do remarkable jobs restore or rejuvenating, I guess, a camellia. I've got one in the backyard that was scraggly and horrible-looking five years ago and is still blooming right now, and it's six oh. feet tall and glossy green. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful plant. Try that. Rejuvenate. You're one of the slow-release fertilizers. We've got, uh, let's see, Mark down in Noonan, Georgia, in Coweta County joining us. Hey, Mark, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can we help? Well, I also have a camellia. Uh, I did a landscape project last summer and fall, and we had it planted, um, and it did well in the dry fall. When it came, it had a few little brown uh, leaves with round spots on them, and they were kind of blackish gray. And then it's grown and got bigger and bloomed, but there's still these black gray spots on them. Uh, they're yeah. kind of oval shaped, and probably about two inches long, about an inch wide. And I've seen them on the internet, but it, nobody says what to do about them that I can find. Mickey camellias, they get scale certainly. Yeah. But what do camellias get that causes holes and blackish, disease-looking holes in the leaf? Now, 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 Mark, that's an interesting question. How old do you say? This is just a young one, right, Mark? Right. I just planted this last fall. But it's not small. I mean, it's up a, It's already about six feet tall, five and a half feet tall. How many leaves are affected? How many leaves got holes in them? I, it's not, I mean... It's not all over. It's, uh, it's fairly isolated, but I'd say, you know, 50. I'm going to say, Mark, that my solution would be the same as for Francis just now, to do a rejuvenating fertilizer application, slow release, azalea camellia, one of the others that I mentioned, and see if the camellia didn't grow out of this. It could be simply these diseases, whatever it was on the leaves, came from disease at the nursery where they're packed in pretty tightly. You know, in the nursery, you pack the plants in so tightly sometimes to get them all to grow. And they get diseases and they pass one to the other, but not terrible, wipe them out kind of things. 
I'm just thinking here that you may do best just to try to rejuvenate with fertilizer and not worry about spraying. Call me back in uh, call me back in June, Mark, and let's find out what's going on then. Because I really think this is nothing that you really have to worry too much about. David out in Tucker joins us. Hey, David, good morning. Hey, uh, you reminded me of a stunt uh, news uh, program did here in uh, Atlanta some years ago. They had real enterprising and uh, stuck some things on the ends of uh, Bush and did a uh, newscast on April 1st about the uh, weather conditions <laughs> impact on marshmallow. Marshmallow. <laughs> David, I'm sure that would make the news in Tucker. The Tucker Times would cover that. I'm sure they would. Check it out. Yes, indeed. Uh, I was wondering what you thought of Indian Hawthorns around here, and uh, how long is their blooming season in Atlanta? Are, are they really prone to disease in this kind of environment? Oh, let me ask Gasaway. Mickey Gasaway. Indian hawthorns, some of them get disease pretty yeah, easily. Some Others of them get the endosporum leaf spot. I think Eleanor Tabor is real. Is usually one that is real resistant. And, there's uh, several of them. Yeah, there's the girl names, <laughs> Eleanor and Clara, <laughs> Eleanor Tabor. Um, yeah. But I think that those are the ones that are most resistant. But you're right. Sometimes, David, you see uh, Indian hawthorns have the little red spots on them, the same disease that gets on mm-hmm. red-tip photemia. Yeah. But it can be prevented with um, with a fungicide in the spring now or a little bit earlier than now, frankly. Uh, or many times I see them sort of grow out of it during the summertime if they're not fertilized heavily. This is one of those times where I wouldn't fertilize the hawthorns real heavily because the lush growth is what gets the disease. So And lay off the sprinkler system, Lay off the sprinkler. Do not water the foliage on the, on the Indian hawthorn. But I would do a little research. Look on my website, David. Do that. Look on my website. I have a list of disease-resistant Indian hawthorn there. And the ones that I say disease-resistant, that are disease-resistant, go to your pike nursery and buy one of those. And they need to be in full sun. Sometimes yeah. people try to put them in less full, 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 full without sun. good um, air circulation. Good point. It's 648 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning news on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be in mid-70s today, 52 to 54 overnight. Same thing tomorrow. Rain coming in pin Monday. And don't forget, we've got someone in the WSB traffic team booth this morning, 24-7, tomorrow as well, Monday as well. Spring break is coming. We'll cover all your traffic questions and needs here on News Talk WSB. Audra is in Noonan, Georgia, and Audra joins us on Lawn and Garden. Audra, hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We are great. How can we help, Audra? I've got a question about our tea olive tree. Um, It is... 15 years old and it's about 12 feet now. Um, yeah. It's one of my favorite things. I love it, but it has just gotten massive. And it's planted in a little area right next to our garage, and it's kind of trying to grow into the house. So yeah. I was wondering if we could major prune it, cut it in half, or what you might recommend we do. Tea olive is pretty tolerant of pruning, yeah. So I'm thinking, sure, why not, Audra? I mean, it's finished blooming just about. I don't think there are many blooms left on it right now. And so you can cut it back. 
I wouldn't hesitate if you need to cut it back to about half half of what it is right now. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. So, and it's got about six branches, so just cut it off about maybe just all the way in half. <laughs> to well, what it looked more natural if you remove branches back to where another one begins, I guess, is, is what I'm looking for here. Don't just cut a branch in half because this, the stubs will show up and they'll look sort of ugly as, right, as it re- right. regrows. So go back into the interior of the shrub, taking away individual branches where they originate. And you'll end up having a nice, nicely shaped, nicely formed tea olive, and it'll bloom for you next year. Probably it'll bloom this, this uh, fall, as a matter of fact. But if you'll uh, do that, I think you'll have a nicely formed shrub. But you can cut it back pretty severely without a whole lot of without a whole lot of worry. Okay, perfect. <laughs> you have made my day. <laughs> All right, I've either made your day or made you have a lot of work to do, one or the other, if not both. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. In the next half hour, Bill in Lilburn has a question about his boxwood leaves. And boy, do I have a warning about boxwoods. We've got to talk about that. 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. 